Welcome to News Kids. I'm Rose. And I'm Zara. And together we're presenting this weekly podcast about what's going on in our world today. Each week we cover top stories across world news, politics, science, technology, entertainment and arts. This week we're talking about Remembrance Day. Why the Queen is stopping wearing real fur? Air pollution in Delhi, palm oil production and the impact on endangered orangutans, nuclear fusion and a new study that reveals the secret to success. Hello, this is Zara. This week, it was Remembrance Day. It is celebrated on the 11th of November every year to remember those who served in the military and those who have died in war. It is commemorated with a two-minute silence at 11am so that it is 11am on the 11th day of the 11th month as that is the time on the 11th of November when the guns fell silent in World War I in 1918. The anniversary of the end of World War I is used to remember all the people who have died in all wars as you know people seem to keep forgetting how awful war is and how there have been several other wars since 1918. Remembrance Day was first celebrated by the British Commonwealth, although at the time it was called Armistice Day and was held on the Monday of the week that also included the date of the 11th of November. In 1931, the name was changed to Remembrance Day and the date was fixed to the 11th of November. In the days leading up to Remembrance Day, people wear red poppies. The Royal British Legion, the main charity associated with Remembrance Day, adopted the poppy as a symbol of Remembrance Day in 1921 and the money raised by the Legion and other legions in other countries is used for helping injured and retired soldiers. It is also used to help those who have lost loved ones because of wars. The red poppy is worn because it grows wild in many fields in northern France and Belgium. These areas were where some of the most awful battles during the First World War took place. On Remembrance Day, there are usually ceremonies at war memorials and churches in many countries, and in the UK, the royal family and politicians gather at the Cenotaph in Whitehall, London, for memorial service. Zara, why is it so important we have Remembrance Day? It's important to have Remembrance Day because that day we always get reminded about the people who died in all wars. But if they remember how awful war is every year, then why were there still wars after the World War One? I have absolutely no idea, Zara. Sadly, and unfortunately, people do forget how awful war is. It's a great opportunity to ask your parents about your family history so you can find out if any of your ancestors or family was, in fact, part of the war. Now, I know from last Remembrance Day that my dad's grandpa fought in the war as a soldier. Hi, it's Rose here. This week it was revealed that in 2019 Her Majesty the Queen stopped wearing real fur in what is believed to be the first public stand by a head of state against the use of real fur. The revelation was made in a book written by the Queen's dresser, Angela Kelly, called The Other Side of the Coin, The Queen, The Dresser and the Wardrobe. 
Angela Kelly wrote in her book that if Her Majesty is due to attend an engagement in particularly cold weather, from 2019 onwards, fake fur will be used to make sure she stays warm. She also said that the mink trim had been removed from one of the Queen's favourite coats. The news was confirmed by Buckingham Palace, who told the Telegraph newspaper that as new outfits are designed for the Queen, any fur used will be fake. However, it is believed that the Queen will still wear fur when it's required as a part of her royal duties, such as for important state events when she has to wear ceremonial robes of fur. So why has the Queen made this decision? No one has revealed exactly what prompted the Queen to do this, but the wearing of real fur has been highly controversial for many years. Because of the impact it has on animal welfare, real fur is literally fur from the skin of an animal, and throughout history has been widely used in clothing, with mink, chinchilla and fox fur, the most commonly used furs for warmth and fashion. In the 1950s, clothing producers began exploring cheaper fake alternatives known as faux fur. And in 1975, the International Fur Trade Federation banned furs from endangered species including silk monkey, ocelot, leopard, tiger and polar bear. In the 1980s, a number of high-profile anti-fur campaigns drew attention to the suffering that can be caused to animals in the production of real fur. Since then, real fur has gone up and down in popularity, and more recently, faux fur has also come under fire because it is usually made with non-recyclable plastic-based material that is not very environmentally friendly. The Queen's decision has been praised by animal rights activists, the largest animal rights organisation in the world, PETA, called it a compassionate decision and the Humane Society said, we are calling on the British government to follow Her Majesty's example and make the UK the first country in the world to ban the sale of animal fur. Whilst fur farming was banned in Britain in 1999, the sale of real fur is still currently legal. What do you think? Is it good that the Queen is no longer wearing real fur? It is. Do you ever want to wear real fur? No, because I don't want to endanger all these wolves, foxes, bears even. Anything. Would you want to wear fake I wouldn't want to wear faux fur because it's made from non-recyclable material and it's not very good for the environment. Well, I actually don't want to wear any kind of fur. If it's cold, you don't really need fur. You could just put on a jumper or something. We're lucky that we live in the Middle East and it's always hot and sunny every day. Yes, it is. Hi, it's Rose here again. Last week it was reported that air pollution in the northern regions of India has reached unbearable levels. The high levels of air pollution is believed to have been caused by a combination of factors. Farmers have been burning crop stubble to clear their fields, which released a nasty combination of carbon dioxide, nitrogen dioxide and sulphur dioxide into the air. This was made worse by weather conditions. The impact of fireworks set off during the Hindu festival Diwali last week and emissions from traffic and factories. According to the BBC, in many areas of Delhi, air 
inequality deteriorated into the hazardous category with the potential to cause breathing problems. According to the Air Quality Index, a good air quality region would be in the range of between 0 and 50 and there are six categories with the last being 300 to 500 which is considered to be hazardous to health. The AQI readings from Delhi last week were recorded to be 999, which is the highest that AQI monitors were able to record. To try and reduce the severity of the pollution, rules have now gone into effect, allowing only cars with odd or even number plates to drive on given days. Construction projects have been temporarily halted to try and reduce emissions, and the Indian Supreme Court has issued a ruling preventing any more crop burning. However, these measures are not thought to have had a noticeable impact so far, with a small improvement in air quality this week being attributed to a change in wind direction. Low visibility caused more than 30 flights to be diverted on Sunday, while schools have been closed out of concern for the health of pupils. Residents in Delhi have been advised to wear anti-pollution masks, avoid polluted areas and keep doors and windows closed. According to the World Health Organization, a third of deaths from stroke, lung cancer and heart disease are due to air pollution. There has been renewed focus this week on how India can improve its urban air pollution by switching to more renewable energy and clean emission transportation. At the recent United Nations Climate Action Summit, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi said that India would more than double its renewable energy production going from 175 gigawatts to 450 gigawatts by 2022. However, he did not commit to any reductions in fossil fuel use or greenhouse gas emissions. Hello, it's Zara here again. Speaking of endangered animals, recently Sir David Attenborough, who is a very famous broadcaster and natural historian, has called for a stop to destruction of rainforests in Southeast Asia. These rainforests are being destroyed to satisfy the demand for palm oil which is used in supermarket products ranging from shampoo to chocolate buttons. It is estimated that half of all packaged supermarket products contain palm oil. Oil from the fruit of the palm oil tree is used in chocolate biscuits, soap, shampoo, cosmetics and cleaning products. Cadbury's chocolate buttons, Oreo biscuits, Kit Kats, Twix, Twelve, McVitie's Digested and Nutella all contain palm oil. Most plantations are in Malaysia and Indonesia where land is cleared to grow palm oil plantations. That land is left unable to be a habitat to wildlife in the same way as a diverse rainforest. Sir David said that the forests of Borneo and Sumatra, home to orangutan, rhinos and thousands of other species that have evolved here over millions of years are now in danger of being lost. He said that there are about 175,000 orangutan in Borneo in the 1950s but now they are endangered. 
Sir David also said that palm oil is an efficient crop which supports local economies, but consumers should ensure that products are sustainable. All the big brands say that they only use certified sustainable palm oil or are in the process of switching to it. Ferrero, the manufacturer of Nutella, says that it has used a hundred percent certified sustainable palm oil in all products since January two thousand and fifteen. So, how can we check if a product has sustainable palm oil? Well, apparently, the companies that buy sustainable palm oil don't often make it clear on the product labels, and one reason for that is because sometimes companies just don't want to be linked with palm oil. There is an app called Geeky, which is recommended by the World Wildlife Fund, where you can use a smartphone to scan the barcode and check. I am sure that I would like to use that app. How do you feel that chocolate bars are endangering animals? It makes me feel sad because it's not fair on the animals at all. They're losing their homes just because these people want to make chocolate. It sounds like it's good that there's a sustainable palm oil now, so we don't have to endanger all these orangutans and all these other animals like pandas. Well, according to Greenpeace, they think that the sustainable palm oil is actually a con because the palm oil could actually not be sustainable, and they could just sell it to people. And it turns out that that it isn't actually sustainable. We need more checks and to actually check if this thing is sustainable. And if it's not, then you can try and find another piece of the same product which is sustainable. Well. It's good that they have an app. It's a bit like when you are trying to find out if a piece of fish is lime caught or net caught. You need to look at the packaging. It's good that consumers have the choice and information to make better decisions for all of the environment. Hi, it's Rose here again. The BBC reported this week that experts believe the prospects for developing nuclear fusion as a feasible source of energy has significantly improved. Nuclear fusion is a new and complicated type of technology that has not yet been fully tested. However, the UK government recently announced an investment of two hundred million pounds to deliver electricity from a fusion reactor by two thousand and forty, and the BBC reported that some private companies plan to have demonstration models working within five years. So, what is nuclear fusion? In simple terms, it is an attempt to replicate the processes of the sun on Earth. Natural solar fusion generates enormous quantities of heat and light, and for many years, scientists have been trying to follow the same process to create energy in a laboratory. It is thought that nuclear fusion might be a relatively safe way to generate power that is low carbon with low amounts of waste. However, testing the process is extremely expensive and complicated, and so far, no one has managed to get more energy out of an experiment than they put in. Thirty-five countries are currently working together to see if they can make nuclear fusion work successfully in an international 
project called ITER. ITER has built a huge test reactor in southern France, but it has been affected by long delays and budget issues. And what will happen to the UK's participation in ITER after Brexit is unclear. At the same time, the cost of other known renewable energy sources such as wind and solar power has become significantly less expensive. So whilst nuclear fusion would be an amazing puzzle to solve, it still may not happen soon enough to deliver the renewable energy that the world needs now. Hello, it's Zara here. Maybe the scientists solving nuclear fusion need some secrets to successful learning. This week, scientists from Brown University, Princeton and the universities of Arizona and California have come up with the perfect amount of failure to get the best learning outcome. They say that those who get the answers wrong 15% of the time while studying have found the best level to stimulate fast learning. Scientists came up with this after they conducted a series of machine learning experiments where they taught computers to carry out simple tasks. The difficulty level at which computers got the answers right 85% of the time and wrong 15% of the time was found to be the one with the strongest level of learning. The scientists carrying out these studies say that a success rate of 85%, meaning you get 6 out of every 7 questions or challenges right, means that things are at the right level for fast learning. The study leads author Robert Wilson, who is an assistant professor of psychology and cognitive science at the University of Arizona, said that if people are given really easy questions, they would get them 100% right all the time and then there is nothing left to learn. If people are given really hard questions, then they might get only 50% correct and still not be learning anything new. As people develop their knowledge in anything, they are learning that they will improve their success rate and find the material they are learning easier. At that point, they should progress onto more difficult material. The findings could be used to train medical professions, for example by helping radiologists to spot brain tumours in scans. The results could also be used to apply more broadly for those learning a new language or a musical instrument, helping them to find the level where their lessons are not so hard that they are discouraged and not so easy that they are bored. My teacher loves mistakes. She just always says that if you make mistakes, you learn. So she kind of wants you to make mistakes. Well, she is right technically because if you never make any mistakes you won't learn and if you don't learn then why are teachers there for you yeah and then you'll never succeed if you don't learn maybe all that really matters is you try hard that's all for this week i hope you enjoyed our show and thank you for listening